February 28th. We are three days from the 2023 NHL trade deadline, and the question becomes, uh, who's still going to be available come deadline day uh, with all of what has happened on Tuesday? Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddle. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive and Pat Steinberg along with you, and we've got lots to get to this hour on Flamestock on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider, will join us in the next uh, little bit. And uh, as we are doing this, it's been a very busy Tuesday. So, um, well, you can imagine there's a few things on Mr. Saravalli's plate. So Just we'll, get him, we'll get him on when he's available as uh, the insiders are working double time right now. And you know who is yet to enter the chat, the uh, trade deadline week chat, is the Calgary Flames. And I don't really uh, know when we're going to see or how uh, we're going to see that happen. I don't know I don't know to what extent the Flames are going to enter the chat. And I think, Vix, right now the Flames are very much evaluating, very much – and I don't know if they're evaluating. I just think they are open. I think that they are being flexible, and I think that they are kind of reading the room and not – saying no on anything and not closing the door on anything and and the way that this season is gone and the way that the rest of the deadline is gone and the where and where they sit in the standings honestly I think that's the the only way you can be approaching this deadline I think it would be I think it would be almost foolish of the flames to go into this deadline with a firm stance or we are definitely acquiring this or we are dead set on acquiring that or we are only going to be selling I don't think you have the luxury right now if you're the flames of of being in any one silo I think you have to be ready to dive in if there's an opportunity on either of these things or, or any of these things right now well you said you're not sure when you're not sure how I'm more curious about the question of if and if they make a trade, you kind of mentioned it, which direction are they going? Are they bringing something in to bolster? Are they making a minor move to add depth? Are they moving guys out? What's the situation for Bradshaw Living in the Calgary Flames? Because we are what? Mm, ballpark 48-ish hours, 72 hours well, away it's, from it's, the trade it's deadline. It's Tuesday afternoon, so yeah, we're about, uh, we're about, I don't know. I'm bad at math. Less than 72 hours away. I'm very curious to see what or if the Calgary Flames make a move because we've seen a lot of teams today and, and yesterday and the day before, and this has really been sort of a week-long trade deadline as opposed to deadline day. Seven deals done today, three involving the Toronto Maple Leafs, one involving the Edmonton Oilers. Vancouver Canucks have gotten in on the action. Winnipeg has already done their due diligence. When's Calgary jump in? Do you dive head first? And some of these prices and some of these deals are very curious, very pricey at the moment. Does that give you hesitation in adding? Does that encourage yes, you to? Yes, it does should. That, does that give you encouragement to move something out and try to capitalize on these high prices? 
it's fascinating from a Calgary Flames perspective, especially considering where they are in the playoff chase just outside of the picture right now, chasing down the second one. I will say that the uh, Pacific Division playoff teams have officially entered the chat. I guess Vegas already did when they acquired Ivan Barbashev, but... Edmonton has made the most significant deal of the Western Conference playoff teams to this point. You know, we're still waiting on Dallas. I think Colorado is going to do something. Minnesota yeah. has has made a couple of fringy moves. I would imagine that the uh, L.A. Kings are, are going to try to make a splash. But it's Edmonton's addition of Matthias Ekholm that has tongues wagging across the NHL. Ekholm goes from Nashville to Edmonton. Uh, and along with the sixth round pick in return we see Tyson Berry go to the Predators a first round pick and a fourth round pick so a significant addition and exactly what the Edmonton Oilers need I, I look I, I hate saying it um, and and we hate to give praise to that team but that's exactly what the Oilers need that is a big time acquisition and you're 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 getting I don't want to say polar opposite but you're getting a very different defenseman in Eckholm as opposed to Barry and Barry's great on their power play and Barry's very good at what he does but I don't think offense and power play is what the Oilers are lacking right now what they're lacking is that shutdown defenseman and Eckholm's one of the best on the planet and I I hate it from a uh, Oilers standpoint because well, it makes him better. It just does. That's a look. We've been waiting for Ken Holland, who you know the Evander Kane acquisition was a big one, obviously a big time impact maker, but didn't give up a ton for that. But this one, this one is a, a big time Ken Holland move. If you had to pick what the biggest missing element of the Edmonton Oilers was, it was a shutdown defenseman. They have one now in Matthias Ekholm, and they paid a lot to get him. In my mind. But let's also, you can't say tongues wagging like you did a couple seconds ago and not mention Jesse Pugliarvi moving to the uh, Carolina yeah, I Hurricanes, I, I pardon can. me, that, that, I can to facilitate that. the move of bringing in Ackholm because they freed up $3 million in cap space, and, yes. and there you go. So uh, tip of the cap to Ken Holland for working the phone lines, working his roster situation, moving out Pugliarvi, creating the space, and then having the will, the desire to – give up those assets. You're talking Barry. You're talking about Reed Schaefer, who was a first-round pick. You're talking yes, about a first-round pick. Reed Schaefer is the fourth part going back to You're Nashville talking a first-round pick in the 2023 draft and a fourth-round pick in 2024. That is not cheap, but it's exactly what the Edmonton Oilers needed, and I'm curious to see what Ekholm can bring. Maybe he can bring a little bit of stability and a little bit of defense and a little bit of what they need and what they were lacking from their own blue line back to their goal. It's a very interesting move, and it's exactly what the Edmonton Oilers needed to do, basically. And, and it's the type of move that I just – like, the Oilers are going to the playoffs, and they're a team that went to the Western Conference Final last year. Um, like, that, that that's a um, – that that's a that's a move that they needed to make. That's the price that they needed to pay, um, and and I'm all for it. That being said, uh, I also I also don't know if that's the the pond that the Flames should be playing in right now. I I don't think that first round picks and. The Oilers are going. The Oilers are looking to get over a hump. They they went as deep as they've gone in ages in in 2022. 
they're a team that this deal makes sense for. I don't know if giving up those type of assets makes sense for a Flames team that is where they are. And that's why I really think, going back to our conversation from Monday when we dove in on the whole idea of strategically selling, um, I think that that is uh, something the Flames absolutely have to look at. Uh, I believe we do have Frank Saravalli ready to rock and roll. Cam, can you just confirm that Frank is uh, ready to rock on uh, on Opal? Okay. Uh, just let me know when uh, confirmed with Frank. Uh, okay. Uh, it's time to welcome in. Um, usually to kick off the hour, but as you can imagine, um, Mr. Saravalli's phone has been buzzing. I'm glad he's dialing in on the service he's dialing in on so that uh, one of his 11 cell phones or all of his 11 cell phones <laughs> are still working. It's time for Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Hello, Mr. Tradebreaker. How are we doing? I'm doing all right. I got to tell you, you, you mentioned my phone, so... Here's the thing. Here's a really embarrassing confession. I okay. missed out on something yesterday, and I threw my phone against the wall, and it shattered <laughs> the screen into a million pieces. So I've actually been dialing people via Siri today and uh, <laughs> relying heavily on my computer and laptop for my text messages. Oh, so you've been uh, you've been iMessaging today, hey? Like off oh, the yeah. – off the. Oh, that uh, look. This is I, what I happens. Don't, uh, it's trade season. Maybe that's the wrong time to have a spaz attack. <laughs> I don't. I don't get uh, the the scoops and the breaks as as anywhere near as often as a guy like you do. But every once in a while, you'll get one, especially with the team that you cover. This would have been like seven or eight years ago. Um, I had my phone off um, and I just forgot to turn it back on, and I missed one. And when you don't oh, get them no. as you do, it was it was uh, it was Michael Backlund's contract. His not this one he's on right now, the one that he just finished. I had it; it was ready to go, and then I uh, that's I had fraudulent. Off you, you can't yeah. you can't do that. I was devastated. It probably took me about a week to get over that one. I'm not going to lie. So uh, it hurts I, when I you're empathize. when you're so close and you don't get it. It hurts. I know. I know. And uh, I so so in saying that, I hope. Are you going to be able to get a new phone? Like, what's the? Uh, what's I'll the see what I can do. Yeah, I might, might make a trip to the mall tonight and see what we can do. <laughs> Uh, is there going to be uh, – we'll dive in on the Flames and then some of the other news. We won't take keep you as long as normal because I know that your head's spinning and you've got 7,000 things that you're doing. Will there be anyone still available on Friday when everybody does their marathon coverage? It's a really good question because that's exactly the question that teams are asking themselves in, in varying front offices right now. It's like how many more guys – could possibly fly off the board between even now and tomorrow afternoon. If we have our eyes on anyone, we better start making it happen. And that's yep. really the thought process. Before we dive into all of what we've seen on this Tuesday, and there has been a lot, I feel like today is I don't even know where to day. start. <laughs> I know. I've got I've got a few notes and and I I, I doubt we'll get to everything. Um but this will be the last time I ask you prior to the deadline about Calgary's deadline mm -hmm. plans. Where are we at when it comes to what you know and understand about how the Flames are approaching the time period between now and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern? Well, I, I think they've um, made some calls, I guess, is the best way to frame it. Look, Brad Tree Living's always in the mix. He's... He's always out there and and checking prices and monitoring the market. I don't believe 
from the people I've talked to that they've been particularly close to anything. Uh, any chance that I've had to sort of check in on the Calgary file, uh, the answer has seemingly been not nothing happening, not right now. And so yeah. understandable given where this team is at. Uh, I, I sort of have been advertising on a billboard every time I talk to you or talk to Russick and Rose in the morning that I don't expect the Flames to be humongous players. But now we're in a bit of different territory now because you know, the gloves are off, so to speak, and the rentals are gone. And that leaves the opportunity for teams to get creative. And I think teams, especially teams that are on the fringe of the playoffs and, and also well out of it, they're considering selling pieces that they otherwise wouldn't, yeah. that they normally wouldn't be looking at. Cause they're saying, well, look at these prices for rentals. What do you think I could get for this guy? And so they're be- beginning to engage in conversations about, these players that otherwise haven't been out there. So, and and we've talked about the whole idea of Calgary selling, and, and we had a big conversation on Monday's show about uh, strategically selling, right? Like certain guys, you're not you're not trying to blow up the entire team at the trade deadline. But to your point, when it comes to those prices, if if you can if you can find a first-round pick out there for somebody who isn't necessarily in that core age range or somebody that you might be able to find a decent replacement in in the offseason. Because of those prices, it feels like if you're Brad True Living, you almost at the very least have to you have to be listening on any phone call. Well, okay, so let me make another comparison to Florida because everyone needs that after the Huberto and, yeah. and uh, Kachuk trade. The Panthers, oddly enough, are in almost the same position in the East, maybe a little bit worse off in terms of their playoff chances than the Flames are. And they've got other guys under contract for them, you know, a Sam uh, Reinhardt, a Sam Bennett, players of that sort of ilk or magnitude that have term on their deals that they're, they're really not interested in trading, but I think they have to listen. And so the Flames... I. You know, I don't have any sense that they are listening um, because I I think part of the mission and mandate for both of these teams moving forward is to be right back in the mix next year. And if you're going to take some of the guys that the, the Flames have that are way exceeding value relative to their contract, like it's a Foley or or like a a Lindholm, for instance, Mm -hmm. How do you make your team better for next season? Yeah, you have the the space and the flexibility, of course, to do it now. But and you're probably going to get some assets. But to think that that's going to be flipped into immediate help for next year, it's going to be really difficult to do. The only the one the the to me it's the blue line. It's it's one of their left shot guys who only has one year left on their contract. It's Zadorov or Hannafin. Um, and I just take a look at the the prices that are being paid on defensemen right now. I don't think that you're trying to ship these guys out uh, and and like get rid of them. But if somebody calls. Um, all of a sudden, you get Oliver Shillington back next year. There's a left shot defenseman that you haven't had, and you're not going to have for the rest of the year. Are we year. sure that's going to happen? By the way, and we'll get I, to Shillington I, in a second. But I no, don't. I don't not. know the answer to that. No, I don't either. And 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 Frank, I I uh, I 
definitely get the sense that that's even up in the air. Like, I, I don't know if there's certainty as to whether or not Oliver's back next year. I think it's safe to say at this point you can write off him coming back this year. It's just too late, and I think that's where the from from everything I understand, that's where the Flames are. But I don't even know if you can uh, go down that road. So may, maybe that's not so, something you count on. So to answer your premise, mm-hmm. I think Zadorov is way more in vogue. But I think if you were to ask the Flames and and sort of you know inject some truth serum into Brad Tree Living, which one would be easier to part with? In some ways, I, I think it might be Hannafin. Right, and and I think that you could get. I mean, you take a look at what Boston paid for Orlov, um, and you take a look at what defensemen are going for right now. Even what Shen ended lot. up getting. There, there's there is a market there, and and now you're getting two playoff runs for a guy as opposed to one, right? Yeah, and maybe if you look at it from the Flames' perspective of, well, maybe we have some Shillington money to spend this summer and then, you know, an additional five from Hannafin, maybe we could find someone else out there that could improve our team. And is taking one player off of your roster really going to impact your playoff chances as to whether you get in this year or not? Mm-hmm. The answer is probably not. Yep. So. I, I think they'd have to think about it. I just don't know that they've worked themselves there yet, as far as I can tell. Right, absolutely. Uh, did you want to? Uh, did you want to dive in on the Shillington stuff? And, yeah, just your intel similar quickly, to mine. Yeah, it's not. Uh, in fact, I have no intel for next year. But what I did confirm with the league this week is that there is a path for the Flames to move Shillington to LTIR, LTIR. designation okay. if they want. I don't. Again, I. They don't have to use the space, but it's a nice flex option if you're Brad Tree Living to say, well, we have 3.4 million bucks in space on deadline day. If we can take another two and a half from Shillington, that gets us almost $6 million in space. And so if they wanted to make a splash, they could do something. Again, I, I don't have any any evidence that they will. And And maybe they're considering though, some of these other players that I'm talking about that have term instead of yep. selling, they go out and, and buy one of those players that could help them then for next year as well. Frank Saravalli's with us. Um, let's, let's get into, by the moves. way, uh, yeah. just cause it, it does relate to the cap though. Yeah. The flames we know are, are well committed to next year. Absolutely. Uh, wise. So it is dangerous for them to take on players with term. Absolutely, and that's been that's been kind of my pushback on some of the you know non core pieces. Talk. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, okay, I'll, I'll ask you about a few deals that have been done that are confirmed, so that this uh, does not get dated when it goes up in podcast form. Uh, tell me about your reaction <laughs> to Edmonton's Matthias Ekholm acquisition. They give up a lot, including a first Tyson Berry, but they get a guy that it sure does feel like they they sorely needed. I'm really torn on this one. I don't really know what to make of it. Um, it's a very drastic change for a team that, you know, some would argue, as you are, that they needed that kind of stylistic change. But for me, I, I think about the things that you're tinkering with. Like Tyson Barry comes off of the top power play in the league as the quarterback. And so you're making a change with six weeks to go in the season for a unit that scores at a 31% rate for the year. So that's a big, I think that's a gamble. And you're taking a player back in Eckholm who he just, he isn't moving as well. And I, I have to think that when you look at Eckholm, 
And basically the message that the, the Nashville Predators received in acquiring Ryan McDonough this summer for next to nothing mm-hmm. is that you got to move these guys while you still have an opportunity to get something for them. I think in, in a not too distant future with three years remaining on his deal, that that at home contract is going to be very hard to trade. Interesting. Well, and so there's risk. That's yeah. what I'll say is, is yeah. you may, this is a complete and wholesale stylistic change. And essentially what the Oilers get for swapping out a power play offensive oriented defenseman for Ekholm is a, a guy who plays much more in, in line with the way Duncan Keith played last year. And so maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but you also give up a first round pick and you give up your, your last one of your last first round picks and Reed Schaefer. So there's a lot to go around here that I think there's a a heavy amount of risk for the Oilers. How complicated was it for New York to finally be able to finalize the acquisition of Patrick Kane? This is going to sound funny to say, but not really all that complicated. It was simply a matter of time. Um, I think the framework of the deal for this was agreed upon on Friday or Saturday. So, you know, four days. And it's it's kind of amazing that they were able to keep it under wraps as long as they did. Uh, that's, I believe, when Patrick Kane, you know, sort of agreed to, to waive his no trade clause. And I think the package kind of came together quite quickly. And then it was a matter of simply just how many days with a calculator is it going to require for the New York Rangers to have the requisite cap space to add... Patrick Kane at 25% of his 10 and a half million. And once they had that, that ability, then, then they could execute the trade. And I think the, the interesting part of it is that if, if it feels like New York didn't properly plan for this, the answer is they didn't, they traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. And I think that they didn't not necessarily that they were done, but I don't think they were thinking, Hey, we're going to trade for a 10 and a half million dollar player in Patrick Kane now. But when he said what he said in the media afterwards, I think a few eyebrows were raised in New York saying, man, this guy really wanted to come here. Like, what if we could possibly make this happen? And that's how it came to to be. And finally, um, the Maple Leafs, we've already seen them make two deals prior to Tuesday. They made the deal with St. Louis, and they made the deal with Chicago, and then they make, what, three different ones on Tuesday. They get Shen. They make the deal swapping Sandine, bringing in Gustafson in a first, and they also move Engvall out. Just, I, I'm curious as to your overall impression of what we've seen from Kyle Dubas and the work that he's done to load up this group to maybe finally beat Tampa and get out of round one. It's a lot of change, isn't it? Oh, wholesale it's, almost. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the new pieces that you're now assimilating on your roster, and I also don't know that they're quite done yet, and I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are quite done yet. The Oilers have $1.3 million in cap space, so they're probably going to find a way to weaponize that between now and Friday. The Leafs are now cap compliant for the first time and have the ability to activate Matt Murray, which has been a huge sticking point as they've gone through this process and unloading Pierre Engvall's contract was a big part of getting there. But I wonder what, you know, they have nine NHL defensemen, like nine bona fide NHL defensemen at their disposal now after adding guys 
uh, like Shen and like Gustafson. So that is a whole ton of, uh, yep. of players to add to the mix. And I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what's next. It, it feels like something. And I wonder if they're in the market for a goaltender. Uh, Eunice Corpusalo is, has been scratched as a, uh, a trade related reason for Columbus. But let me just read you the Toronto Maple Leafs nine defensemen, Riley, Brody, Hall, McCabe, Liljegren, Timmins, Gustafson, Shen, and Giordano. That's huh. nine. Yep. That's it. They say the adage is you can never have too many defensemen for a playoff run, but that's they, a log jam sitting in your room every day at a morning yep. skate. Yeah. They so, might have too many. <laughs> I think they might actually have too many and you probably could move one of those guys for a decent return. Given everything that we just talked about, like a Justin Hall or, or someone else, Hall's a pending UFA. Like, why why wouldn't you consider it? Yep, and and similar. Then to... have even more cap space, and you still have the first round pick that you got back from trading Rasmus Sandin today. Exactly, recoup a few assets, even if you're not fully for some of the ones that you've given up for some of these additions. Um, great stuff, Frank. Uh, appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, we'll let you go. Always. Get back to breaking some phones. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll breaking recap phones, it all. Breaking trades. We'll see what we can do. More trades. I'm like, I phones. feel like I'm I, like I can't. I, 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 it's like someone that doesn't have their hand that needs to type. Like I just, it's this was. I could have done better. I think. I uh, I hope that that problem gets rectified this evening, and uh, I hope you break more trades than phones between now and uh, and Friday. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week, pal. See you, Pat. Uh, Frank Saravalli, uh, our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us every Tuesday on Flames Talk, and this is probably as busy a Tuesday Frank has ever joined us on. Uh, it feels like today is deadline day. Uh, it's still Friday. We're like uh, 68 hours away as we're talking right now from the trade deadline, and it has been insane out there on this Tuesday. He joins us each and every week for our friends at South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash, visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for a Tuesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive, and now Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, joining us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, gents, uh, Aaron and I talked about this at length on Monday. You just heard earlier this hour, Frank Saravalli joining us, our NHL insider, talking about prices and the idea of, you know, maybe the Flames would be more open to saying goodbye to a roster player due to the prices around the league now than they would have been a few weeks ago. 
My uh, my buzzword for it, I don't know if I came up with it, so in my head I came up with it. Um, strategic selling is uh, what I've called it. I'm not suggesting that you, you're selling off wholesale and, and, and you're doing what Chicago is doing or even what Nashville is doing. I'm just suggesting that if there's a guy who does not have a lot of term left that you can get a really good return for, if you're Brad Trilliving, I don't think you can hang the phone up on that. That's where I am. That's what I've been advocating for. I'm just curious as to, uh, Derek, your thought on the whole idea of strategic, picking your spots when it comes to selling off a player. Well, I'm not hanging up the phone on anybody right now, regardless of why they're calling, because I want to gather some intel, because I need to be in a position where I know what I'm going to do what one way I, or what another. I'm calling you? Well, then I just press ignore. In the okay, that's a good uh, point. Not again, Pat. Um, <laughs> wow. I, I need to know what I'm going to do one way or the other come Friday or Thursday. The Flames have two huge games this week against two of the top teams in the league. And unlike some, I still think that they're undecided what they're going to do between now and the 1 p.m. Mountain Time trade deadline on Friday. If the week goes well, and they got some help on the out-of-town scoreboard last night, and it's about time, but if the week goes well and the Flames pick up two or three or four points and get some more help out of town, then maybe you're only two or three or four points out of a playoff spot come Friday, and then I think you're still in a position where you can say, we think we've got a team that, if it gets to the playoffs, can make some noise in the playoffs. And everybody I talk to, coaches and players, all feel that way. So, you know, if they're still within striking distance, I'm not ready to sell. But they're playing the Bruins tonight. Not only are they the best team in the NHL, they're nine points ahead of everybody or 11 points ahead of everybody. They're also the hottest team in the league. They've won seven straight. So uh, the Flames aren't exactly favorites going into this game tonight. And then you get uh, a Maple Leafs team that keeps uh, loading up their roster uh, as they made some more moves today. And they're coming in on Thursday. So, you know, if you're eight, nine, ten points out of a playoff spot uh, at the end of Thursday night, then uh, I would probably switch gears and go from either standing pat or buying to selling. I, I do want them to do something, though. I feel like standing pat probably isn't the right move or maybe move's not the right word to use, but you got, you know what I mean. I, I don't think doing nothing is the right course of action here. I think you either have to say, okay, we're within striking distance. We, we think this is a team that has underperformed. We believe we can get to the playoffs and win a round or two or three once we get there. In that case, you have to buy if you can find the right deal. But on the flip side, if you fall out of it by Friday, then I think you should start to retool for next season. I'm not saying you rebuild, but I think you have to retool because for whatever reason, it hasn't worked to this point this season. But doing nothing would kind of feel like this season has felt so far, just spinning your tires, don't you think? To a degree, absolutely. And I agree with your point where you have to know if whether you're going to be buying, doing nothing, or selling a couple of pieces. The tr strategic selling, as Pat says, you have to be able to make a decisive decision the second you determine what your path's going to be. And if you're within an arm's length of that final playoff spot, then you know exactly what it's going to take mm -hmm. in terms of assets to acquire something you think you can put yourself over the top. If you're seeing those playoff aspirations fade in the distance and you're, you know, eight, ten points out by the time that that 1 p.m. Mountain Time deadline rolls around, maybe you look and you know exactly what you can get for several individuals on your roster and you take those assets and you sit on them till maybe the draft and then start flipping those draft picks or flipping those prospects to help rebuild the roster that you just quasi tore down a little bit so that you are competitive when the season starts next year. 
I just think you have to consider all elements. So if somebody's calling you on Player X, Pat and I are big fans of Player X. Great course, he's good in the room, all that stuff. Player X is phenomenal. Player Y is coming on, though. Player Y is coming on? Yeah, <laughs> Add him to the trade board? Yep. You need to know exactly what you can get for every single one of your players if you choose to sell, and you need to know your trade targets, exactly what it's going to cost you so that you can make an informed decision when that deadline is starting to tick down and you're up against it. So I just, like, the Flames could win both these games this week before the deadline. They could beat the Bruins 5 nothing and the Maple Leafs 12 nothing. They could look like world beaters. And if I'm getting a call and somebody's offered me a first-round pick for Nikita Zadorov, I'm still doing it because I just I don't with with where they are and the assets that they have given up in in recent years and with where this season has been, it's the old Jay Feaster. It's one of the the things yep. that Jay Feaster left us with, and that is intellectual honesty. You still have to be honest about what your team is. Maybe a playoff team, but a cup contender. I, I think it would be tough to convince anybody that you're a cup contender. And if you've got the opportunity to get that type of high leverage asset for somebody, I think at the very least you have to be okay with – look, the, the best example is what Nashville's doing, guys. Nashville's in a better position to make the playoffs than the Flames are, at least according to the standings. They're in a better position. And yet they're making moves, and I know that they did not do what the Flames did in the summertime. I, I get all that, but I just – I think what the Predators are doing is saying, we're willing to make these moves. If we make the playoffs, awesome. That'd be cool. It'll be great to get some experience for some of our young players. Maybe we can play that well down the stretch. But if we don't, we're okay with that. I just wonder if the Flames in a, should be in a similar spot with the, the same type of pragmatism based on the way the season has gone. Well, let me ask you this. You're saying that's what they should do. Yes. Do you think that's what they will do if they're still within striking distance? Because that hasn't been the Ramo, right? Do I think it's what they will do? Yeah. I'm skeptical. Yeah, so am yep. I. Yep. I really think they're in no man's land, guys. I do. Uh, and it would be way easier, I'm sure, for Brad Treleving if they were way out of it or if they were in a similar spot to where they were at this time last year atop the Pacific Division and looking like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. But as I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, over the last week or so, the Flames are in a position they never expected or even imagined yep. that they would be in. And that's four points out of the final playoff spot. I still have some belief in this team because I do think they're within striking distance right now. They're, they're four points out of that final playoff spot that's being currently held by the Kraken. Uh, the Kraken do have one game in hand, and the Flames don't play the Kraken any more times this season. So uh, I think they're catchable, but you'd love to have one or two head-to-head -head games. Uh, they're five points behind the Jets, who have suddenly slid out of the top three in the Central Division. It kind of looked like they were locked in there for a while, but with the Avalanche heating up and uh, the Wild playing better hockey, uh, the Jets are in the number one wild card spot and five games ahead. The Flames do play them one time between now and the end of the regular season. But for me, the, the two most catchable teams are still the Kings, who are eight points ahead of the Flames. Now, that sounds like a lot, right? The Flames have a game in the hand, and they have two head-to-head -head games against the Kings. So you can close that gap pretty quickly if you sweep those two games and win the one you have in hand. And then the Wild, who have slid up into third place in the Central Division and are six points ahead, but you got two games coming up against them. So you win those two games uh, in regulation, and six becomes two pretty quickly. So... Again, for me, this week is huge. If yeah. the Flames have a good week against two of the best teams in the league and get some help out of town, maybe they're only going to be a couple of points out of a playoff spot come Friday. But the, the thing with Brad is he works the phones as hard as any GM in this league. 
He's not going to wake up on Friday morning and go, you know what? I've decided to buy or I've decided to sell. I better figure out what the market is. He's already doing that work, right? I'm not sure he ever thought he'd have to do the work to sell, but I think he's probably begun that work based on what I've heard from uh, people who know more more than I do. And I I think he's probably been in the buying market for quite some time and he knows what the cost is or the approximate cost is to to bring in the the player or the players that he wants to bring in. So he's not going to wake up on Friday morning and decide to do one or the other and then have to start from scratch. Uh, I'm I'm guessing he's got a pretty good idea of – what it would cost to, to buy players and uh, what it would cost other teams to buy some of his guys. Right now, to me, it's a delicate balance that he has to walk because as it stands right now, he is only four points back of Seattle for the second wild card spot. Yes, Seattle has a game at hand, as you've noted. But at the same time, Winnipeg is actually p- playing at the lowest points percentage of any team currently in the playoffs. And they're projected, if they keep up the pace they're currently on, and I know they've slid a little bit, but they're projected to get to 97 points. So the Calgary Flames have to play 750 hockey the rest of the way to, to jump that and get 98 points and steal that last playoff spot. That's a mighty big if. But if they do that, I'm not so certain I necessarily want to play them in the first round because I'm, I think we can agree at this table. They've played under their potential this year. And if they can find that stride, and they're going to have to if they want to play playoff hockey yeah. and play 750, that could be a very dangerous team entering the playoffs. At the same time, yeah, it's only four points, but that's a lot to overcome. You've got to jump one or two teams. And as you mentioned, Pat, Nashville's still in the equation. Nashville has a better points percentage than Calgary. I don't necessarily think with everything that they sold off, they're going to keep that pace, so you don't necessarily have to worry. But when you're looking at it from one degree and you're going four points out versus you have to play 750 hockey the rest of the way to get in. It's tough to know exactly what to do. But, yeah. but that's the thing. They don't have to jump over multiple teams. It's a different spot than they were in back in 2020 when, yeah, they were only four, five, six points out of a spot, but there were a bunch of teams between them and that spot. Right now, they're nipping at the heels of the Kraken. So you've got to catch one of these teams, not three or four of them. The only problem is, is you haven't won more than three games no, in no, a row all season. So me, those teams up there are also looking at the Calgary Flames going, I'm not so worried about them right now. They're going to need more saves. They're going to need more goals. And they're need, going to need at least one winning streak longer than three games, I'm guessing. And a team to fall even further as it stands right now. Yeah. But see where they are come Friday. I wonder if they do anything between as we're talking right now on Friday. It's our Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg. Okay, so as they get set to take on the Boston Bruins, mathematically this is not 100% correct, but I don't care. Uh, Because it's starting off a three-game homestand and there's 22 games remaining, they've played 60, 22 to go. I'm declaring the final quarter of the season for the Calgary Flames starts against the Boston Bruins. It's close enough. Name the one thing, the one thing that non-negotiably has to change, improve, be different, however you want to approach it, for them to get to where they want to go. <laughs> Should we all count to three and then say and the w- same word papers. at the same time? I, I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? They need some saves, guys. An eight, I was going a different No, I wasn't. An 847 team save percentage since the All-Star break. That's the lowest in the league. And quite frankly, it's not good enough. And I don't put it all on the goaltenders. And I look at the last game as a great example of that. So, yeah, Jacob Markstrom gives up two goals in the first two shots and four goals on 22 shots. That's not good enough. But you know what? They scored one goal. That's not good enough either. You're not beating anybody with one goal, especially not the defending Stanley Cup champions. So the goaltending is, for me, number one because – 
I think when you're confident in your goaltender or goaltenders uh, in the case of the Flames, and it really does feel like they've got more of a tandem now than they had since Jacob Markstrom arrived in Calgary, then I think it allows the players in front of them to play a little bit freer, and maybe that helps you take care of business at the other end of the ice. But the goaltending has to be better, and it's crazy that we're even talking about the, the Flames potentially being a seller. But I think the biggest reason why is because the goaltending has really fallen off from last season to this season. And I was asking uh, Aaron and uh, Logan earlier if there's uh, a way to track uh, how many more points the Flames would have if they had received league average goaltending this season. And Pat, maybe you you know a way to come up with that number, but I don't. But I've got to think it's double-digit points, which puts them in a much different spot in the Pacific Division, and we're having a much different conversation. The good news is I know that both... Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar is going to get the start tonight. I know they can be a lot better than they have been, and I know that they can be a lot more consistent than they have been. And it's not too late, but we're getting close to that point. Yeah, I don't know how you argue with anything uh, you just said, Wilsey. You mentioned the stat from the All-Star break, worst team save percentage. You go expand that to all season long, it's the fourth worst team save percentage at all strengths, 887. The solace you can take out of that, maybe, if anything, is one of the teams you're trying to catch, the Los Angeles Kings, has the second worst team save percentage this year. And the team that's fifth worst, just one spot ahead of the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken. So the Pacific Division as a whole, generally speaking, hasn't been great to goalies this year. I don't know if you take any sort of breath and can absorb that a little bit, but it starts and ends with just needing to make more saves collectively. And again, it doesn't just fall on the two goaltenders. It falls on the five players in front of whoever's starting it on any given night as well. But you can't have an 887 season-long save percentage at all strengths and expect to be a playoff yeah. team in my book. That's well, the go go in your different direction, table. Pat. <laughs> I, I was going to suggest the play-by-play guy. Uh, well, uh, you wouldn't be the only one to feel that way. No, so. I wouldn't. Oh, never. no. Um, I was going to do that if we all did one, two, three, and one at the same time. That was my joke. The play-by-play, but no, I, we didn't get a chance to do uh, that. You, you so. shouldn't uh, talk about Rick like that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was talking about, I was talking about Rick. Yeah, um, we all know s- you were talking about me, and I'm sure the text line is backing you up right now. See myself no, right now. no, no. Um, yeah, I can't disagree, guys. It's It's – got to be better than it has been all year certainly has got to be better than it has been in the last 10 games um and there are other things but that when it whether it's consistency holding leads what early goals against early goals against goaltending would solve a lot of the other issues and i think if they're gonna do what you're talking about and reel in one of those teams and if they're going to get themselves into striking distance by the deadline or by the uh, by the middle of March or whenever, they're probably going to need one of these guys to do something that they yeah. really haven't done all year, and that is steal a game or two. You know, they've gotten game. I, I don't know if there has been a night where you can say that that goalie stole a game, and and I, you don't want that to happen on a regular basis. You don't you don't want what Shesterkin did last year for the Rangers, of course not, but. You want, and that's probably a bad example because they went to the Eastern Conference Final, but you don't want goaltending to be the main reason why you are somewhere, but you also need a guy to steal a game every once in a while, and that has not really happened this year. And maybe tonight's the night. You might need Dan Vladar to steal a game against the team that drafted him and developed him for five seasons, but at the other end of the ice, you've got the guy who's going to win the Vezina Trophy this season. Uh, Linus the, lead, the leading scorer at his position as well. Leads the, the league and wins. Goals against average, save percentage. 
I mean, the guy has been unbelievable this season. And the team plays such a structured brand of hockey in front of him. Bruins are going to be tough to beat, and they keep loading up. And uh, kind of circling back to the first conversation we had, guys, the only reason I'm not in sell mode right now is because the Flames play in a division and a conference that isn't the Atlantic Division or the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Because it is a murderer's row over there, but you look at the, the Pacific Division and the Western Conference, and yeah, the Avalanche are scary if they're healthy, but other than that, I'm not sure that there is a team that going into a best-of-seven series, I would feel that the Flames had no chance to beat. So you got to look at your surroundings. I think that's really important because it's been a long time since this team got to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, the path there uh, appears to be easier in the West this season than it's been in a long, long time. Yep. It is, yeah. a, uh, it is a mediocre conference this year. There's no doubt about it. Last week, got something to add quickly? I was just going to say, until the Central Division loads up on Wednesday or Thursday and then just blows everything out of proportion. Well, when, when's someone in the West going to do something? I guess the Oilers and the just Oilers have getting Matias Eckholm. They're, they're but, the first yeah. one. And I guess Vegas getting Barbashev was a, a decent ad. Niederreiter in Winnipeg, does that Niederreiter count? Niederreiter I, I like that, yeah. yeah. But it has not but been... Nothing like what we've it's seen not Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko or Ryan O'Reilly or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Or My love goodness. and Hathaway, exactly. Uh, Derek, Aaron, Pat, Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport as we start to wrap up what has been a very lively uh, first hour of the program. This hour of the program has been crazy. Uh, all kinds of trades we're reacting to. Frank Saravalli with lots of good stuff on the Flames and a solid, solid edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable. Now we wrap up this hour with your Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play, free play only, 18-plus play responsibly. We went 1-1 one one to kick off the week on Monday. Just missed Frank Vetrano over 2.5 shots. He finished at 2. Went uh, well over Jason Robertson and the 3.5 shots. He had 5 against the Vancouver Canucks. Here's what I like for Tuesday's game. I got 3 for you. I always like to do at least one week, one game one day a week where we don't have even numbers just so that you can guarantee that you're not at 500. You're either below it and you can be made fun of or above it and you can gloat. Um... I've got the Flames on the puck line on Tuesday night against the Bruins. So that's to cover a goal and a half or one and a half. It's a big game for Calgary. They need to be on it. They need to start this week strong. Bruins are on the second half of back-to-back. I just, you know, if there's ever a night for the Flames to cover two goals, I think it's Tuesday night. So I've got the Flames on the puck line plus one and a half. I've got Tage Thompson over three and a half shots uh, as Buffalo plays Columbus. And I've got Nashville's Thomas Novak uh, over one and a half shots versus Pittsburgh. That's what we got on our uh, Flames Talk best bets on a Tuesday. I've got Three for you um, as we start to wrap things up this hour. Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg, thanks to Derek Wills, and, of course, Cam and Taylor, our producers. Your Flames Talk Best Bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.